If you have your Bible today, 2 Timothy 4.7. This is a very familiar verse to many of you. The title of my message today is Finishing the Race. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Those are words that I hope every one of us can say as we come to the last days of our life. And we know it. And we want to say something to the Lord that would be meaningful and And we can say that if we have done what we could to really stand up for him in the marketplace of life today. Today we're going to look at finishing the race God has begun in us. He started when we were just a baby. He started kind of nudging us and helping us and moving us and and, uh, pushing us a little bit to go in a particular way. Biblical writers often compare life to a race. Paul used this analogy a whole lot uh, in his books. How many of us will come to the end of our lives and be able to say, I finished strong. I finished strong. Well, that would be great if we can say that. If you've ever watched a marathon race, I'm sure that you will remember that there's a whole bunch of people that gather at first. There's hundreds of them. They just all get together. And finally it comes down time and the guy shoots the gun and everybody starts. And after they run four or five miles, a few of them say, well, that's about all I'm going to do. And so they kind of amble off to the side. And then, you know, with every few yards, you know, maybe one or two more will kind of fall off. And, you know, when it comes to the end of the marathon, guess what? There's very, very few people that finish the race. A similar analogy can be seen in life. We will all finish the race of life one way or another. But how many of us are going to come to the end of our life and feel like we have really done a great job finishing strong uh, the race of life? The truth is, it doesn't really matter much how you started. You know, some of us started doing some wrong things. You know, some of us in junior high and high school, we messed up. I don't know if any of you did, but uh, I did some things I shouldn't have done. Uh, What matters most is how you finish. That's the key thing. That's the most important thing. We want to rid ourselves of all distractions. Hebrews 12.1 says, we read these words, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Those last words are so important. The race is marked out for us. God has uniquely planned many things for your life. He has gifted you in certain ways. And, of course, you've had the opportunity to use those spiritual gifts for him. Of course, we've had opportunities to do a hundred different things that would please our Heavenly Father. The writer of Hebrews tells us that we are going, if we are going to successfully run the race, we need to remove all the distractions to that in our life. When I was in seminary, there was a guy that was a good friend of mine, a nice fellow. His name was Jim Patterson. 
he was a great golfer. He went to college uh, on a golf scholarship. Uh, when we uh, got together at seminary and some of us were going to go out and play golf, uh, they really didn't want Jim to go with us. Uh, he would play golf with some of the felony uh, fellow seminarians, and everybody hated to play with him. He would never say a word from the time he started till the time it was over. He didn't say one word, not one word. He concentrated on every shot. He never said boo. He never said anything. He was all business on the golf course. The rest of the guys, of course, all wanted to talk and cut up and tell jokes and tell stories and all that. Not Jim. He was concentrating. He removed all the distractions that he could from his mind. Tried to get all of that out of his head. Not only was Jim no fun to play with, he always won. <laughs> Every time, he won. Uh, I know that you've watched uh, Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson, you know, have those uh, close finishes. And, and guess what? As you watch them, you notice they don't say a word. They're concentrating on that next shot. They're getting ready for that next time when they hope to you know, put the ball right up there by the pin. Uh, it's, it's about concentration. And they really, really work at that. They want to remove all the distractions. Well, that's what we want to do in our lives so that we can serve our Lord better. Hebrews 12.1 says that sin entangles us or distracts us. The only one that can do something about the sin that distracts us in your life is you. You're the only one that can change that. If you don't decide to do something about the distractions, about the sin that entangles you, then nothing will ever be done. It takes a deliberate act on your part to change it. If your spouse could do it, it would have been done a long time ago. If your parents could have done it, uh, for you, it would have been already done years and years before. But you really are the only one that can remove the distractions from your life. Now, what are some of the things that can keep you from completing God's purpose for your life? What are some of those things? Well, the list of those things is unending. I mean, there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of things. Jesus named some of them in his parable of the soils. The, you remember this? The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, by riches and pleasures, and they do not mature. Now, tragically, those are some of the things that happen to us along the way. We're caught in this and caught in that and entangled in this and entangled in that. Life really doesn't change very much. The same thing that encumbered people a long time ago in the biblical days, those same things are bothering or encumbering people today. Same things. If you worry all the time, it's like wearing a suit of armor before you go out to the race. You know, you can't race in a suit of armor. That doesn't work. 
That doesn't work at all. Well, you can't run the race well for the Lord if you are encumbered by all these distractions and sins. We got to get rid of that. Also, I would imagine there are many of us here today who cannot move forward with God's purpose for our lives because we are stuck in the past, just stuck. Every day we think about something that happened way back there. We can't do anything to change it. That's obvious. You know, we, we can't alter the whole situation. It's, it's over. It happened way back there. If we're still holding on to hurts and guilt for past sins and for past failures, uh, you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, you know, God would never use me because of my past, because of what I've done. Well, God specializes in new beginnings. He loves new beginnings. He really does. He wants to jump into your heart, your mind, your soul. He wants to help you and guide you and direct you in every possible way that he can. The gospel is a new beginning for any person who comes to God through Jesus Christ. Philippians 3.13 says, Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize. Now, Paul had a lot in his past to feel guilty about. Did you know that Paul had a lot of people killed, a lot of Christians? He had them killed. He had a lot of Christians put in jail. And back then, you didn't have TVs in the jails. You sat in the hole in the ground. It was horrible, just horrible. Well, he did all those things. And yet here, in verse 13, he says, I forget the past and I press on. And that's what we want to do. You know those things in the past, we can't change them. It's no use to pull those up in front of us every day that we're living. We need to press on. Paul wants us to know that when you come to God seeking his forgiveness, you can stop rehearsing the past. If you're going to successfully complete God's purpose for your life, then you're going to have to let go of grief, of guilt, and of grudges. You need to let go of those three things. Now, all of us have those three things. Do you have any grudges about anything? You know, if we had medicine to give to everybody here this morning, you had to tell the truth. (laughs) A lot of those things would come out. One of my favorite movies ever, was Chariots of Fire. Did any of you ever see that movie, Chariots of Fire? That was a great movie. If you didn't see it, order it uh, on your TV and and, uh, get it. It's a great show. The story was about an Olympic uh, runner named Eric Little. And this was built on on a true story. In the early part of the movie, Eric is running in a race, and this guy comes over to him and bumps into him and knocks him off the track, and he falls down in the mud and the rocks and all that, and uh, on, flat on his face. And in a split second, he decides, I am not going to let this defeat me. And he gets up, and he gets back in the track, and he starts running. And, of course, it's very dramatic in the movie. 
And, uh, you know, you're all pulling for him, you know, everybody's pulling for him. Well, he, uh, of course, uh, ends up winning the race. All of us have stumbled in life, every one of us. Some of us have stumbled a whole bunch of times. Uh, But here's the thing, here's the great thing. The race isn't over yet. Isn't Isn't that terrific? The race is not over. We've got a lot of time. We've got a lot of opportunities. God can use us in a mighty, mighty way for him. One of the things which will better enable you to complete the race is to rid yourself of any distractions. You've got to get rid of those. Secondly, we must remember the purpose and the prize. I believe an appropriate question to ask is, Why do I want to follow God's will for my life? Now, you've asked yourself that question somewhere along the way. Maybe it's when you were in high school or college or at work, or maybe it was after you had a real disappointing marriage, or maybe it was time when a relative died or something. But you you maybe ask yourself right then, do I want to follow God's will for my life? My life's in kind of a mess. Well, a very good reason why we seek to find and finish God's purpose in our life is because God has prepared for us in his purpose. He's got some things prepared for you. He gifted you spiritually to do certain things. Another reason we continue to find And fulfill God's purpose is because of the reward. Don't you like to get rewards? I do. Uh, 1 Corinthians 9.25 says, Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not... Run like a man running aimlessly. Back in biblical times, one of the big, big things of the year was to have a race, a long-distance race. And a lot of people would run. And the one that won, you know, got a little thing of flowers or something. They stuck it on his head. And, of course, in a day or two, it was gone. But, you know, the crown that we get is not like that. It's for an eternity. And God gives it to us because we have moved through our life with a purpose. And that purpose is in conjunction with the purpose that the Lord has for us. Now remember, there is no reward whatsoever for those that run without a purpose. Somebody asked Mark Spitz after he had won seven gold medals in the Olympics what his key to winning was. And Mark Spitz uh, said very quickly, he said, well, that's, that's easy to answer that question. He said, for four years, for seven hours every day, I swam in the pool. Every day. He said, I swam just as hard as I could, as far as I could, to build up my endurance over and over, every day, seven hours, for four years. He said, uh, You know, there's no success without sacrifice. 
and how all of us need to hear that. Fulfilling God's purpose for you will require you to sacrifice a little bit. What motivates us to make such a sacrifice? Paul tells us that our motivation is the reward at the end. We get a reward. We must realize that God is going to reward us on the basis of how we fulfill the purpose that God has for our lives. If we really work at it, we're going to get a wonderful reward. Thirdly, we must renew ourselves daily. Paul reminds us that if we're going to make it over the long haul, we've got to have our battery recharged. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, For this is the reason we do not become discouraged. Our spiritual being is renewed day by day. Amen. Amen. I remind you that the Christian experience is not an inoculation. It is not a one-time experience that will last forever. The Christian experience is a relationship with Jesus, a relationship that needs to be renewed often. You say, well, I do it every Easter. I do it every Christmas. You know, it would be great if we did it every day. Uh, That would be so much better. For you to maintain your focus on what God would have you to do with your life, you will have to do three things. You will have to focus on God's goodness to you in the past. Think about all the great things that the Lord has done for you in your life. I've told this in the early service. I I feel like God saved my life three different times. When I was a little kid, I ran out in front of a a car, and a a guy just happened to be there, and he screamed at me, and I jumped, and the car went by real fast. I'd have been killed if that hadn't happened. Uh, I remember uh, diving under a dock to uh, find my fishing rod that I dropped one time, and when I came up, I hit my head on the dock, and I thought very quickly, well, which way am I going here? And I thought, you know, I could drown right now. And, uh, you know, it was bad. One time I didn't get the medicine that I needed from the doctor. And my family doctor called me and got the right thing for me. If I hadn't had that, I would have died. So those things, you know, God is involved. He has his hand in those things. How good God has been to us in the past. We need to remember his empowering of you in the present. You know, we, we need to be sensitive to how he's empowering us and what he is empowering us for. And thirdly, his guidance uh, of you in the future. You know, all of us need a guide. We need somebody to kind of help us out along the way. If you have had three or four Strong Christian people tell you the same thing. You might get in a room by yourself and really think about that. Because, you know, the Lord sends people to help us. You know, people tell us, you know, have you ever thought about, they say it in a nice way, have you ever thought about this? Maybe this would be something that you'd want to do. 
you know, maybe God has gifted you to do this and, and you're not doing it. Maybe it'd be good if you started doing it. You know, if a, if a few people tell you something like that, you ought to really think about it and pray about it. His guidance of you in the future. That's important. If you will focus on these three things daily, your life's purpose will be fulfilled. Fourthly, you must resist discouragement. Galatians 6, 9 says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in the proper time we will reap the harvest if we do not give up. You know, some of us give up. Right before victory, we give up. How crazy is that? When you get discouraged, you become ineffective in your Christian life and walk. You know, nobody is going to listen to somebody that's discouraged all the time. Somebody that's sad all the time. Somebody that's negative all the time. People just don't listen to people like that. You know, if, if you know somebody like that, you've got to help them get out of that. Get out of that mold. Get out of that mindset. Help them. Uh, I, I write down quotes. I don't know if you do. I, I've written down hundreds of them through the years. I want to share one of them with you this morning. You do not determine a man's greatness by his talent, by his wealth, or by his education. You determine a man's greatness by what it takes to discourage him. And that is so true. Let me ask you, what does it take to discourage you? What does it take for that? Is it something big? Or can it be just something little? Years ago, during the heat of the battle in World War II, Prime Minister Winston Churchill was asked to speak at the Herod's Men's School. The chancellor of the school told all the men, he got all the men together in the chapel and told them, said, we're going to have the most important speech that's ever been made here. The Prime Minister, Winston Churchill, is going to come and speak here to us. So bring pencils and paper and write everything that he says down. That's important. It's very important. Well, the chancellor uh, got there. And uh, he welcomed Winston Churchill as he arrived. And uh, Churchill came to the podium and said, Gentlemen, never give up. Never give up. Never, never give up. Never give up. And when he had said that, he turned around and walked out. <laughs> that was the whole speech. That was it. Well, God uh, may have brought you here today to hear it said, Never give up. Never, never, never. Never give up. Lastly, you need to depend on God. When we think of all the people who have successfully completed God's call in their lives, probably a lot of us think of the Apostle Paul. He did so many things. What was the secret of his success? I believe Paul shares with us his secret of success in Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ. Who strengtheneth me? Well, he depended on Christ, and I believe we will find the same victories 
if we do the same thing that he did. When I buy insurance, I read through the policy to see all the things that are covered, and then I put it in a drawer somewhere and never look at it again. Once I know it's covered, I just I don't worry about it any longer. This is the Bible. Uh, this is a great book. It is God's insurance policy for you. There are over 7,000 promises in that book. They serve as a guarantee that God will be involved in our lives to bring about his purpose in our life. I would suggest to you that you would read and study his book so that you will know what God intends for you to be. Jesus tells us if we put God first, then God will take care of everything else. Let's finish strong today. What do you say? Let's depend on the Lord. Let's cast our lot with him. If you're in the service today and, and you have never made a public profession of your faith in Christ, this would be a great day, a great day. If you're here, you need a church home, and you know it. Maybe you've been coming here for a long time. Maybe it would be time for you to come and, and join the family of God and be a part of, of what we're trying to do for the Lord Jesus. I hope and pray you would make that decision today. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. Don't let the distractions deter you. Just slip down the aisle and take a stand for the risen Christ. I'll be standing down here at the front waiting on you to come. Let's stand as we sing together.